My name is Tyler Bubbles, and welcome back to the fifth Sunday after Pentecost for the week of July 2nd, 2023, and I'm excited to have you here. I'm excited to dig in this week's podcast, and I'm genuinely excited because there's a couple things right off the rip we have to acknowledge and shout out and talk about a little bit. I know I don't get very personal a lot within this podcast, but I do feel like there are certain milestones that you have to at least acknowledge, and this last week... My sister got married to a wonderful person, so Britt and Adam, congratulations. And with that being my only sibling, it's kind of the last of that phase, and I distinctly makes me reflect back on my wedding and just how crazy this podcast is, but how crazy of a time that is. So congratulations. Enjoy that time. Enjoy the time of coming together, and we are excited to welcome you into the family as a whole and it's just an exciting period of time. The other shout out I have to do is for Gus Davis Academy Faith, Science, and Ethics. As I kind of was talking about over the last four to six months, I was able to go to this. I was able to spend some time with these amazing young adults. And I hope you caught the special episode that I dropped late last week. I thought the people that were there, the interactions, the discussions that we were able to have were fantastic. It was an amazing opportunity, an amazing way for these young people to start grappling with these. And I will hope that you were able to listen to the podcast we dropped late last week as we hear some of those things that they're wondering, things they're discussing, ways they're seeing how faith and science are coming together. And I think this is the beginning steps of us as a big C church, being able to start recognizing and seeing what is going on with our younger adults, our young people, and how are they hearing and looking at these texts and figuring out within the modern context of science, and how do those work together, and what things do we need to be talking about. And I think in that, we are able to better understand and better move forward as a body much healthier than we were before. And that's why, to me, I think it's so important. I was so glad to be able to be a part of it. It was so invigorating for me. And I hope, if you're a high school student, that next year you take a look at really going to this. I will try to be doing shameless plugs for this because it's that good. And so I'm really excited about it. So before we jump into this week's We better look at last week's question, which was, when have we had a relationship with the creation that we should? And the quote that I kind of attached to it, in understanding the creation, we are able to better understand the creator. I think it's something that many of us have kind of lost touch with, and it was something that actually was brought up a little bit at the Gustavus Academy of Faith, Science, and Ethics that we need to be in touch with who we are, whose we are, and where we are, and being able to get our hands dirty. We'll talk a little bit more about that to this week, but this idea of centering ourselves and being able to connect more deeply with the environment in which we're in and being able to understand our role within it, not necessarily dominating it, but being an active community member within it and not seeing ourselves as set apart. And I think that means that we need to be willing and able to go out and venture out and explore, but also then keeping our senses aware and alert to be able to 
see, understand, and observe what is going on around us. And I think that's a key important thing because if we don't do that, we are really missing a lot for us to be able to connect with our creator and be able to better understand who God has created us to be. So let's just jump into it. As we've kind of had the last few weeks, we have alternative first readings. So we either have Genesis chapter 22 verses 1 through 14 and Psalm 13 to go with that, or Jeremiah 28, 5 through 9 and Psalm 89, 1 through 4 and 15 through 18. So we'll start with Genesis. This is a fairly well-known text here, and it's where God is testing Abraham and how faithful will he be. He takes his only son, Isaac. They're going to build a burnt offering, so they're taking this. And you have even Isaac asking at one point, what are we sacrificing, Dad? He said, don't worry about it. God will provide. So they build this altar. They ties up Isaac and is laying him on there and is about to lay the knife. And God says, no, no, okay, I was seeing if you would go actually go through with this. You did. And there's a ram over here. How about you sacrifice that instead? So a story that I think could cause some trauma for Isaac, but also a story of how God is still there and observing and is wanting us to fulfill our calling and how we are called and what we are called into and recognizing that God will continue to open doors as we are following that. The psalm that goes with that is Psalm 13. This is kind of a little bit of a woe is me psalm. Like, God, have you forgotten me? I'm going through all this heartache. Have you not seen what is going on? I feel like my enemies are prevailing over me. But in recognizing all of this, I realize that your steadfast love is greater than all this, and I will still sing to the Lord. I'm still trusting in you that all of this will come to something bigger and greater than what I could understand at this moment. The other alternative first reading is from Jeremiah chapter 28, verses 5 through 9. And I feel like it's kind of a weird spot to be dropping in. He just had a prophet, Hariah, kind of give a prophecy that Jeremiah disagrees with. The Israel has been conquered by the Babylonians at this point, and Haliah is prophesizing that within two years, some of the sacred things are going to be returned, and things will kind of be at peace. And Jeremiah kind of says, okay, If that's what you're saying, I pray in verse 6, basically, that what you're saying about the vessels and sacred items that Babylon has, that they will be returned. But then reminds how many false prophets have been prophesying peace. And yet here's Jeremiah saying, we, the true prophets that we follow still today, are the ones who prophesy things that were hard, things that were difficult, and that God was going to lead us through. And that the prophets that just promoted peace are the ones that we don't remember because the prophecy was wrong. So talking about that in this point and in this space, the Israelites need to be trusting in the hard talk, the hard love, the tough love that the prophet Jeremiah has been prophesying for 28 chapters at this point. But this idea of 
faith sometimes has legs and it's difficult. It's not an easy thing to be necessarily following through. It's not just it happens. It takes work in order for us to do it. The psalm that goes with that is Psalm 89, verses 1 to 4 and 15 through 18. This starts out as singing, I will sing of your steadfast love and declaring that steadfast love and recognizing that God has plans for us. And happy are those when we get into verse 15 who follow that, who listen to that, realizing that their strength is not their own, but it comes from God and it comes from the steadfast love that we have been given and recognizing that this is a task that is difficult, but also it gives life that is so much greater than our own. The second reading or epistle text this week is out of Romans chapter 6 verses 12 to 23. This is where Paul is talking about how, what does this now mean being on this side of the cross and recognizing that there is sin within our own bodies. And it's this question of what do we do with it? And the recognition that, yes, grace forgives us. And it doesn't totally outdo the law. What it means is we have this grace that has been freely given to us, but yet we are still striving for something that is greater than ourselves, recognizing that we're not just living on the grace. We are trying to fulfill what has been stated before in the law, recognizing that we are trying to live a life that isn't necessarily steered by sin, recognizing that we are trying to live up to the goals that Jesus has left for us and stating that this is something that is impossible. There are natural limitations to what we are able to do. In doing that, we then have the grace that is, you have done your best and the grace to say, I'm working with you, and we continue to strive to get better and better. We're continuing to strive toward that perfection, and this journey leads us toward eternal life. And that this journey of this free gift that has been given by Jesus is something that we are striving for, and it takes a lot of work for us to try to follow in the footsteps of one who did it in a way that none of us will ever be able to do it. The gospel text this week is out of Matthew chapter 10, verses 40 to 42. This picks up exactly right where we left off last week. And it's really short, and I feel like this is an easy one that we should just read. Whoever welcomes you welcomes me, and whoever welcomes me welcomes the one who sent me. Whoever welcomes a prophet in the name of the prophet will receive the prophet's reward. And whoever welcomes a righteous person in the name of a righteous person will receive the reward of the righteous. And whoever gives a cup of cold water to one of these little ones in the name of a disciple, truly I tell you, none of these will lose their reward. This idea of how we are being sent out, we are being encouraged out, in Jesus' name and recognizing that we are doing that out of a calling within us and that we are not doing it on our own strength. But it also means that we need to continue to be observant, especially in verse 42, recognizing even the little ones, the ones that are easily to overlook, that in taking care of that makes us more observant and being able to see the kingdom of God at a much vaster level. So, 
Before we jump into how faith and science come together this week, we have to do a shameless plug for Working Preacher. If you haven't checked out Working Preacher, I'd highly recommend it between the Sermon Brainwaves podcast, their commentaries, their discussions. Since I'm not an ordained minister, I use them on a weekly basis to be able to look at commentaries and the wonderful discussions that are going on over at workingpreacher.org. I'd highly recommend checking that out. I'd also highly recommend checking out the Revised Common Lectionary coming from Vanderbilt's Divinity Library. I really enjoy it because of how they lay out the text week to week, along with the art, prayers, hymns, and colors to be able to help give some guidance and what is going on week to week. So if you haven't checked out the Revised Common Lectionary coming from Vanderbilt's Divinity Library, I'd highly recommend that also. I'd also highly recommend checking out the Green Blades Preaching Roundtable and Green Blades Rising Publications. Both these newsletters that come out in your email help acknowledge some of the different events and resources that are going on, but also are giving you on a week-to-week basis how to preach these texts in an ecological echoes, implications, and urgencies for the weekly lectionary. It plays really well with this podcast. So if you're looking for a way or an idea or thinking about how do these texts tie into the environmental crisis that we're going through, I'd highly recommend signing up for the Green Blades Preaching Roundtable and the Green Blades Rising publications. God will provide is something that's really hard for us to wrap our heads around. It's hard to wrap our heads around this because we're so accustomed to raising ourselves up by our bootstraps, especially here in the United States. We are just told to take it up by the bootstraps and figure it out. As we have been told this story time and time again of being a self-made person and how far from the truth, if we really think about it, that actually is. And in doing this, if we're thinking about it from a perspective that we make ourselves, that we are the master of our own domain and everything that has happened has been purely because of our true grit and teeth couldn't be further from the truth. And if we honestly sit down and look in the mirror, we know that. We know that that couldn't be the case. And if we are that consumed with the self, it causes us to overlook other important things within this creation because they are no longer seen as important. When I looked at these texts this week, here you have Jeremiah calling out another prophet. You have Abraham traumatizing his son. You have Paul calling out that we need to be living a life differently, trying to follow a sinless life, recognizing that we aren't going to do it. And not being ashamed of that, but striving for something that's very difficult to do. And Jesus calling us out to recognize, to be a kind force, but also be observant of what is going on around us. This last week, as I talked about earlier, I was with Gustavus with their Faith in Science and Ethics Academy. And in doing that, I spent one day with them as we went to a place called Good Courage Farm. And I'll attach some links down below for that. And what's unique about this farm is not only are they very aware of the history of the land and what has all happened on it, which was awesome, and how they're trying to create not a sustainable agriculture, but regenerative agriculture. And they explain to us on why they're doing that, but we need to kind of talk about a little bit on what some of the differences were here. 
a lot of the gardening that was being done here, yes, there were some modern equipment, but it was not disking the soil and it wasn't as much tilling the soil per se. This was something that was going to be done in a way that connected you more with the earth. We were ripping up some plastic that had been put down by previous owners to try to help reinvigorate the soil composition because they were noticing because of the garden fabric that had been put down, there was a lack of microbes and a lot of the living soil components weren't there. It was making for some kind of dead soil. So let me explain this. When we're looking at soil in and of itself, there's four main components that we need to be thinking about. First, it's the minerals. Minerals often coming from some type of rock that has been broken down over a period of time. In that mix then becomes organic matter. So the different vegetation that has been around or animal in some cases breaking down by decomposers to return back to the earth and then having gaps in there to allow for air to flow through and water to flow through so that the water can rinse some of these nutrients and so that they can be absorbed in by the plant. In this, there then are microbes that are at different levels of the soil. And I'll attach a great crash course video talking about soil and some of the different soil levels. But different microbes are found at different depths and they're creating different things. They're able to help fix different things to make it easier for plants to absorb things continue to break things down. You have something that might be yummy to like an earthworm, whereas it's creating air and water space for stuff to run through. We have this living thing. What we have done in traditional farming is we disc it. We just take the soil and turn it over. Well, some of these microbes then are kind of confused and get concerned that I am typically about 8 to 12 inches down and now I'm suddenly on the surface. What is going on? I don't feel comfortable and they might die. So you have all this plus you're opening up the soil so that the winds blow and being able to take some of this organic matter slowly away and scatter it further and further away, which means that some of the nutrients that's in the top layer of soil is slowly being eroded away. This is what we have been doing for almost a century with farming. And we've talked about in previous episodes the aspects of farm equipment getting heavier and heavier and compressing soils, making it harder for soils to grow as air is a major part of it. And right now when you have a good soil, it's like a sponge. There's a little bit of give and take to it. It it can absorb a lot. It can kind of give a little cushion. But when you're running over it with heavier and heavier equipment, it makes it hard. And we've been doing this traditional farming, per se, for decades. And now we're starting to have trouble. We're also cultivating a monocrop, which then we're spraying because if anything comes in that potentially damages the crop, the whole thing goes. Instead of if we planted multiple crops, if we lose one thing, it's not as big of a deal. It also makes it harder at an insect level for them to want to be a part of it. Because if you're not into corn and you have miles and miles of corn, where are you going to go? 
making a diverse landscape of multiple different things allows for something that this isn't my jam, but I really do well with asparagus to be able to then have that insect near the asparagus and not hanging out with the corn. This Good Courage Farm was looking at this practice, and in this case, they weren't necessarily using cattle, but also were using like ducks and chickens to help keep down the pests, help keep down the grass around a lot of the different items, along with using things like wood chips, but also just trying to create a micro ecosystem that these things were rotating around and helping each other, allowing for these plants to go deeper roots, allow for more nutrients to be returned to the soil, trying to not take all of it out, but trying to put some back into it. Realizing that practices and what we have done has allowed for wind to blow, allowing for this soil to be depleted, 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 and that not enough is being put back in so that the soils become harder and harder to grow on. God has provided this amazing soil for us to grow things on. And we have been called to cultivate and work the land, and we have done that tremendously. But just like Abram was called to go and make a living sacrifice, and is tying up his son to lay his son across there. There is also a point when God said, you have done enough. I have provided something else. Do not kill your son. We have farmed so much that now it's time for us to recognize we need to move into different type of agricultural practices to save the land. The land is hurting because of how we are constantly turning it over and making it harder and harder for those microbes in the soil to be soil. We might need to figure out new ways of doing this, and this might be hard. You may have heard sustainable agriculture. Sustainable agriculture is great in a lot of ways, but it also means you're sustaining it and assuming that things aren't hurt. If the environment is hurt, do you really want to maintain it at a hurt level? Do we not want to make sure that we are replenishing and reinvigorating the soil for future generations beyond ourselves? Regenerative agriculture is looking more into that. We, if we're going to be welcoming, not only to the people we see, but welcoming to future generations, we need to make sure that we are looking and thinking about how are we minimizing our impact over the long haul. Even if it means that we need to change our practices substantially in order for us to fulfill how we're going to bring this all together. It's very much like the Romans text. If we're recognizing that we are causing harm, if we are recognizing that we are in sin, why do we keep doing it? Why are we not recognizing that let's make compost and see if we can spread compost to help reinvigorate those soils? Can we figure out a different way of planting that isn't disking? Maybe, it, yes, it takes more labor. And yes, maybe it costs more, but it also allows for our, our earth to be able to help us grow more food in the future. We can understand when we break our leg that we need to slow down for a period of time to let things grow and recover. Have we not recognized that our farming practices on what we have done has been depleting our environment 
And in doing that, then do we not recognize that maybe there's a time where we need to go into to replenishing? And in that replenishing, does it mean that we're totally not growing things? It means that we maybe modify our practices to be better stewards of the earth. We need to look to continue to grow And in that case, it means that we're going to be an active part of this. This is what Jeremiah, I feel, is more calling out. Jeremiah is calling that this isn't just something that just happens. It takes action. It takes all of us to work together, to be able to recognize something greater than ourselves and work together in that to make that happen. When all these pieces come together then we are able to fulfill a little bit more of what we are told that, yes, we're looking for the little ones and making sure that they're cared for. We are welcoming each other and recognizing the gifts and abilities that all of them, all people and all things within God's creation bring and recognizing that we are all interconnected together at a much deeper level. This is what our world should look like. When was the last time it really did? I remember talking on this podcast during the pandemic that one of the things that I felt was this was a great opportunity for mankind to come together in a way that it never has before. That the whole world was going through something all together at the same time. As we have now continued to move closer to whatever our quote-unquote new normal is, I think we need to reevaluate that. Even though we didn't do great at it necessarily during the pandemic, I think it's becoming more and more clear. We need to be able to recognize the holy within each other. We need to recognize the holy that is outside of human beings. And we need to be able to recognize that all of this works together and that we're part of it. And we need to work toward that. So the question I have for you is, what groups do you feel are really connected well together? What groups do you feel are really well connected together? I'm curious because if we're able to look at that, maybe we can learn how to expand that out to the rest of humankind, to expand it out beyond humankind and start recognizing how we're all working together toward a common goal. Yes, we are called into caring for this place. So that means that we should have at least that common goal together. As much as some people want us to get to Mars, we're not there yet. So we need to make sure that we're taking care of this and our soils are a major part of that because they grow the food, the nutrients, the protection from wind, the ability for life in a lot of ways. They provide so many different things to help make the life that we know today possible, then we should make sure that we're appreciating that. We should make sure that we're appreciating and welcoming the soil. We should make sure that we're listening to the soil and looking around and observant to recognizing if the soil is needing that help. Recognizing that it might take additional work. It might be hard, but it's holy work. It's important work. It's connection work. It's connecting us not only with the land and all of us around it, but it's also connecting us with the holy. To recognize that in doing that, we are better able to provide for the creation as a whole and I have a feeling will benefit quite a bit also. This means we need to be observant. This means that we need to dig deep, metaphor intended, 
to recognize all the layers of things that are there, to take the time to to look in the soil and look for the myceria to connect and be able to produce these connections of sending nutrients back and forth between plants. Be able to recognize that we are part of the system, not apart from it. And when we start recognizing that more and more, I think in a lot of ways, we'll start realizing how much the environment is welcoming us and realize there's a whole nother part of life that we had deprived ourselves of. And maybe it isn't going to necessarily be in soils for you. Maybe it's somewhere else. But I think it's in this caring for creation, trusting that God is showing up that allows us to really see how amazing of a place that God has given us to tend to. And why would we want to ransack the place and not care for it? God will continue to provide for it, but we have to do our part to show that we're trying. This isn't a passive faith. It's an active faith. And it's going to take an act of faith for us to see and connect with the creation in the way that God intended. So, we'll wrap this up as we always do. I pray God blesses you through your faith and amazes you through science.